time of the year, the Christmas season, and the song is a very rich song and draws our heart to the to the uh, <coughs> blessed matters of our dear Savior's birth. And there are words here that are very good for us and good for my own heart this evening hour. Christmas story full of glory told to sinners such as I. Cold hearts fainting, cease your waiting. Jesus comes, his aid to give. Many times we hear the Christmas story as we do so much of God's word and the good gospel. And often it doesn't do too much to our hearts. But then there are times when God opens his word. He opens his good gospel to our hearts. And we are joyed and overjoyed and blessed thereby. It is important that we continue to gather around the word of God and to read the word of God. As one brother says that it is good that we go to the hearing of God's word when the children of God gather, for we never know when the Spirit will move in the midst of the children of God. And it is so blessed to be there when the Spirit moves in our midst. And yea, it is blessed to be whenever God's word is read and spoken and when we pray and sing and to be in fellowship with the children of God. We have gathered with peoples in our travels as you have, those that do not believe, and even though maybe the conversation may be pleasant, yet it can be cold at best. But somehow even when we gather with the children of God in the homes or wherever we meet them, and it's not as though we maybe always are discussing the scriptures, but yet there's a, a uh, blessedness. There is a answering of the spirit, a unity of spirit, often unspoken. So it is blessed to be with the children of God. And when in our spirit we can contemplate the eternal matters, and we know that those that we are in contact with also contemplate the blessed matters also and the high matters. But when the conversation and the spirit is limited only to things earthly, it's very, very cold. We sang here that Christmas story full of glory told to sinners such as I, cold hearts fainting, cease your waiting, and so forth. We will read here from Isaiah and the chapter begins with some very encouraging words. 
so that when it is hard to believe the word, when it is hard to believe the Christmas story and the good gospel, that we are encouraged by uh, Isaiah here as he brings forth the word of God in the 55th chapter. We will read the entire chapter and ponder and consider this evening hour of grace from this blessed chapter. We read as follows in Jesus' name, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your, your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. I have uh, read an article recently, a publication that was uh, speaking concerning Christianity over the last 2,000 years, and it had a sort of a timetable, a chronology of, of important events in the church over the last two, um, last two millennium, uh, beginning at 27 A.D., and one of the interesting statements that was made there, I believe it was by a professor, is that um, when it was considered that what is the what was the most profound uh, thing or force or persuasion of Christianity in this century, that is in the 1900s. Um, interesting also was that that there is, according to this article, there is two billion adherents to Christianity. And that is uh, Christianity on a wide spectrum, probably all the way from Jesus people to the Protestant churches, the Catholic churches, and, and uh, home Baptists, and, and many, many other lesser denominations and groups that name the name of Jesus Christ. But the most profound matter that this professor thought was uh, appropriate concerning the question as to Christianity in this century is that it is still surviving. And to us, 
maybe we don't feel that way because we've been brought up into Christianity and Christianity is a very, very big part of our lives. And we have been attending the church, just about all of us since um, infancy, and we have been around the hearing of God's Word very much, and we fellowship with many Christians. But to the darkened world, they look on Christianity and they probably wonder that why do you deprive yourself of liberty and freedom in this world because of a religion? Why do you live stringent lives, some more and some less, according to denomination and according to personal conviction, that why do you live such a deprived life? And to them, they look upon Christianity as very cheap. And you adhere to one a radical man that lived 2,000 years ago, as they would say, and what's the gain? What's the profit in it? They do not recognize him, obviously, as God's own son. They do not recognize him as the way, the truth, and the life. But they only recognize him as another radical that has many followers. But we know otherwise. We know why Christianity is yet surviving in this century. And it will survive as long as the world stands because it is of God. And... Jesus is not a mere radical or an outstanding person, but he is God himself. And he has come to save his people from their sins, as we hear and sing at Christmas time. We begin here considering those that thirst. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, Come and buy, yea, come buy milk and wine without money and without price. Are there any thirsting souls today? I wonder if there is many thirsting souls, even though there may be two billion people that know the name of Christ and and are adherents, either by a, a stronger tenacity or a mild uh, knowledge of Christianity and Christ, I wonder out of so many billion and so many million that that are there any that are thirsting today? Are there any thirsting souls after righteousness? Are there souls that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness? I hope that there are souls even gathered here this evening in whose heart there is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I hope that we are all yearning and thirsting for righteousness. And this hungering and thirsting in the soul of man, in the inner in the innermost of man, is often unknown. It's a mysterious matter. It's like we are not satisfied with our life, we are not satisfied with what is around us and what we normally do and what we pursue. It doesn't give us what we're looking for. It doesn't give us satisfaction. And there's something over and above that we are like groping for and we know not what it is. That is the awakened soul who has not come to understanding. But Jesus says that blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. We see then that it is a blessed condition. And the evangelist as he's called of the Old Testament here says to come and buy milk and wine without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. These are the Lord's words. There was an elder brother that we fellowshiped with from the West Coast years ago. He's dead and gone now. But he would often quote the first part 
of this second verse. And I believe he would quote it more for natural reasons maybe than spiritual reasons. He was a frugal person and he encouraged frugality to be conservative and to be wise with your spending. And this was one of his favorite verses. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? It's not bad advice in the natural way that we would spend wisely and that we wouldn't be extravagant and spendthrifts but that we would be conservative and that even as Luther teaches that we would save for a rainy day and also to help the poor. He further elaborates that that if God prospers one it is not to be spent on luxury and one's own pleasure but rather it is to be spent wisely and conserved and to help those that are in need and also when we need it for a rainy day as we say. I wonder then if we have all been good stewards of that which God has given us. But eat ye that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Oh, when the conscience is gnawing, when there's a hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we become very lean. We begin to wane and waste away in spirit even as one would if they did not eat and they were continually hungry and they had some disorder that they could not eat or digest food, they would begin to waste away. And that has been the experience of many when they are awakened for the first time and begin to yearn for that which they know not. God puts a hungering and a thirsting within and their spirit begins to waste and wane away. And they get to where life has no more uh, glamour or glitter for them anymore. Life has no more pleasure for them anymore. And it has no more even of the simplest joys anymore. And the heaviness begins to weigh on the conscience and upon the heart and soul. The heaviness of one's own sin. One's own miserable condition one's own fallen and depraved condition. And it seems then that all is lost and leanness begins to fill the soul. No joy, no light, no hope, no happiness, no blessedness, no joy in the former pursuits, in the former life. That joy is gone. Some return to see if they can revive the joy and there's, there's no joy anymore. And one would begin to cry out, I don't know what is happening to me. I don't know what is, why this has come upon me. And quickly the devil is there to accuse, it is because of what you are. This is what you deserve. This is the best for you. But no, God has a, another plan. Remember we read that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your, your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. God has a higher plan. God is doing a higher work within. He wants to lead the soul unto partaking and filling that hunger and that thirst with his flowing grace. Remember that our God is a merciful and gracious God. Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem in his travels and it was getting near the time that he should be offered up. And there were those that went ahead of him and they were preparing a place for him and a reception in Samaria. And 
The Samaritans didn't want to receive Jesus at that time. And the disciples became indignant and they says, should we do as Elias did, call fire down from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus rebuked his disciples. And he said, you know not what spirit you, you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to, to destroy men's lives, but to save them. That's why Jesus has come. He has come to heal and to help and to bless and to strengthen the, the feeble knees and to give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and a voice and a voice of praise to the dumb. And he has come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Believe his words. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So that which is lost can be saved. That which has been destroyed can be mended and can be repaired. And come and eat. Ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mer mercies of David. You see the promise to come and buy without money and without price? The poor, lean, wasted soul has nothing to bring? has nothing to pay for his own salvation, has no way to pay for that remedy that requires, requires the uh, repair of the soul, the damage that is done through sin, the fall. Come by without money and without price and come and eat and delight your soul in fatness and incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live can you believe that this night if there is one here that is thirsting and that is wasting away and is lean God tells you to come through his servant here come and eat come and buy wine and milk without money and without price flowing milk and flowing wine the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and your soul shall live behold I have given him for a witness to the people a leader and commander to the people behold thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel for he hath glorified thee you know in this movement that I spoke of earlier and these statistics, we don't know how accurate they are, that we hope that people are running unto the Lord. We hope that many are running unto Him. We hope that many are coming to buy without money and without price, and that they are receiving life and life anew. I wonder how many gathered that gathered often in our own midst. I wonder how many can hear they can hear the word spoken but cannot receive it for their own heart. I think if we made known our hearts one to another we would all be probably surprised. We would all be surprised at what dwells in the heart of another. What dwells and lingers and abides in the heart of even those that are closest to us deep in the recesses of the heart and they do not surface sometimes we live with burdens for years and decades that's not uncommon and they linger in the heart and they are a burden to carry and they fester there and they are often the, the source of other sins and festerings And often when maybe a person is carrying a burden and someone may speak to them, someone may rebuke them, 
and they flare up because they are not free because they are carrying this burden and it ignites anger and vengeance I wonder if there are those maybe gathered here even tonight that in the deep recesses of the heart are those black spots those blemishes that you have carried and been carrying and you would that somehow you might be free of them somehow somehow before it's too late that you might freely believe that you don't have these burdens and these weights that weigh us down and that cling to us so easily we live in a quiet time where the Spirit of God is not moving in a as we would say outward way in an outward manner that is apparent and as a result we come and go with very little moving within our heart very little to prick and convict the heart though God does speak to the hearts of men he speaks through his word in the quietness in the innermost in the heart and conscience his word does its work as we read that his word is as the rain and the snow that falls from heaven and waters the earth and it's for a purpose that the sower might receive seed and that the eater might receive bread so is my word that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish the thing that, that which I have sent it to do and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it God's word is yet going forth doing its work in the hearts of men and it will continue to do that it will continue to do that which God has sent it to do in the in the ground of our heart in the earth earthen ground of our heart where the seed can be sown and where the planting of the Lord can begin to grow and bear fruit unto God himself the heavenly husbandman yeah there would be reason this night to flee and run unto the Lord there would be reason because he is a gracious God because he is gracious we have all reason from his part to run unto him and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel for he hath glorified thee yes his own dear son he has glorified he has sent him into this world we will be considering if God wills in the near future now concerning how this son came into this world all the promises that were attendant with it and all the miracles that took place and the angels bringing the messages and what moved in the heart of Mary what moved in the heart of her cousin who brought the forerunner into this world John the Baptist many of these things very precious and very dear in the Christian circles so misunderstood and so maligned by the world so hidden to the world while they revel in their decorations and in their drinking and in their costumes and in their frolicking and they know not that the Son of God is born he who saves us in all eternity is now born the promise is now being fulfilled God coming to earth to take the take the sins of all mankind upon himself for the only one that could be sacrificed and be pleasing before God his own dear son for he beheld all mankind and there was not one that we could be redeemed through and by therefore God sent his son into this world as we all know as a little baby may this Christmas time have new meaning to us when our Savior is born let the wicked forsake his way 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon yes there are many that are continuing on in ungodliness and in wickedness there are many children of Christian parents who are reveling in sin and in fun and games who are looking for pleasure and joy in this world and have joined up with the wicked and probably have been shocked themselves how far and how quickly they have descended down the dark road and maybe some will never return but the word here tells us let the wicked uh, forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon oh convert oh repent and turn from the wicked way and from wicked thoughts I know it's common among young men to, when they get together to be rowdy and to be tough we were my dad and I were at a mill I believe it was yesterday and they're the men the working men and and they carry on as they do and they act so strong and so tough they give you the impression that they are invincible that no judgment is going to fall upon them they can laugh as they want they can joke as they want to they can they can gesture as they please and it appears that they are totally free but speak to them of the word of truth and their countenance changes their countenance falls for they too know that there is the judgment ahead they too know also that yes that there is a righteous gun but they may brush it off shortly when they are out of your sight and try and forget you know that's what the devil wants people to do the unbeliever they put death far off they want to forget that death is ahead and that judgment is imminent they want to forget their sins and their past deeds and the devil makes them do it and they go on and seemingly uh, free and seemingly enjoying life but their sins are just under their skin and scratch it a little bit so to speak and those sins rise to the surface and they become angry because their consciences are defiled those who are not forgiven those who have not come to know the redeeming power of Jesus that is able to, through his blood able to remove sin and wash us clean let us read this again let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon I ask you this day those of you that have returned those of you that have turned from the way of sin and wickedness and have come to know that God does abundantly pardon isn't it a blessed matter doesn't the devil maybe sometimes try to bring to your remembrance your past sins what you are and how how evil maybe your thoughts have been and how vicious you have been at times and you know that God has abundantly pardoned but the devil tries to afflict you he tries to buffet you with your past life and I guess it's safe to say that we all have had crooked ways in our past we all have had done those things and said those things and when it comes time to saying things it's numberless and countless but God abundantly pardons God has come to save men's lives he wants to show mercy as we read here and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon 
come to know this merciful God who has abundant forgiveness. Put your trust in him, O soul. O young Christian that has not gone maybe on long crooked paths, don't go down long crooked paths, but walk in the fear of God. Trust in the Lord God. Trust that he will lead you to a higher place of joy than anything this world can offer. Trust that he will lead you to a pure joy because we parted with a brother one year when they were in our midst and he says, remember me with abundant forgiveness. Blessings are the words. Right from the scriptures, abundant pardon. And I often think of that, that I hope that the brethren also can have abundant forgiveness for me because I need it. We need that we would hold each other with forgiveness, that we would bear each other with long-suffering and forgiveness, that we would overlook what our brothers and sisters are in the flesh and in the natural man. That is forgiving. When we do not take count of what they are and examine all their faults and their weaknesses and hold them up, but rather don't, endeavor to search them out don't talk of their weaknesses and their frailties but rather overlook them forgive them and carry them with abundant pardon for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. We have heard of those profound experiences where Christians in the past have had, maybe we would say, a greater feeling of joy and blessedness in their conversion. And it seemed that that's the way they described it, that the trees were clapping their hands and praising God. And all that is was praising God before them. It was because their hearts were full of joy. Their hearts were, had been lifted and freed and joy filled their hearts. You know, when you're in a not the best frame of mind, it seems that everything is bleak. But then when we are healthy and well and strong, then it seems that all things are good. But when the heart is full of the joy of the Lord, then all things are blessed and beautiful. Yea, the trees clap their hands. And the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree yes those things that were offensive those things that pricked and were abrasive they are now changed there aren't those offenses that were so common before to the soul that is forgiven he's not so easily for, uh, offended anymore he's not so quick to cut off another because of some little thing that they said but he exudes from his heart forgiveness forgives his fellow man he's tasted of joy and his heart is changed no longer is there then the briar and the thorn but rather a fruitful uh, a fruitful uh, tree or a fruitful bush in its place it's speaking here in a figure when the heart is changed and the heart is made new and the joy of the Lord takes its place within the heart and the bitterness has to go go away and the anger and the grudges and the hatred they have to have to leave when the heart is purified and made new and the joy of God takes its place then I ask you, is it hard then to love your neighbor? Is it hard then to love those that maybe formerly 
you haven't had such a good relationship with. Maybe formerly you've been very offended in. No, then it is not difficult to begin to love them. Begin to look upon all things new. As we read in the New Testament, all thing, old things have passed away and all things are become new. Yes, this is the experience when the heart is renewed. When new birth takes place, a new child is now living and reigning within, not the old man and the old Adam with its black deeds and its foul deeds, but a new man, Jesus Christ himself, lives within, begins to live and reign within. And daily we must mortify the old man and put him down. He is not so destroyed that he never raises his head again, but rather we walk in this body, in this flesh, and it is a daily dying and a daily mortification of the flesh and the deeds of the flesh. Yes, those grudges may begin to well up within, and the anger and the envy and the bitternesses, but we must war against them and subdue them on a daily basis, and that a new man must daily come forth and arise. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we depart from the presence of thy children and before thy countenance, dear Father, we ask that we could go in peace. We plead and pray that every heart might go away in peace and our hearts renewed by thy holy word and by thy spirit, dear Father. We see from thy word that thou art a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. We see from thy word that thou hast come to save men and not to destroy men. Therefore, Father, grant us faith that it is for us. Grant us the grace and faith that you look to each individual and you would that each one would have a renewed heart and a renewed spirit. Grant this, grant this for us, dear Heavenly Father. Now the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make thy face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. Lord, lift up thy countenance upon us and grant us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have a wedding invitation that's a little late in getting read, so I'll read it again now. I'll read it now and again on Sunday. Mr. and Mrs. Roderick Hanu request the honor of your presence at the marriage of their daughter Heidi Suzanne to Dean Allen, son of Mr. and Mrs. Curtis Warnke, on Saturday, December the 11th, 1999, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Apostolic Lutheran Church, 326 West Aurora Street, Ironwood, Michigan, reception following. We have some copies of the annual meeting and the annual report with financial statements of the Federation available in the back for those that might want a copy. Uh, also, there's been some conversation about whether there should be services on Thursday, December 23rd, which is the day before our Christmas services start. We have talked about it, and it has been decided that we'll forego our usual Thursday evening service on the 23rd of December. Our Christmas service will start Christmas Eve the following night at 7 o'clock here at the church. In closing, tonight we'll sing Psalm 145, and during the singing of this song, we'll carry a free will offering for the benefit of the church.